0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to all of you who have joined us today here in this worship service this morning as we come together to worship our triune God. We extend a special welcome to any visitors who have joined us here this morning, either in person or by live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ as well as by witnessing the Sacrament of of Baptism this morning. May God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. Sister Casey Klein and Brother Callan Decker from the Free Reformed Church of Manajon have indicated their intention to enter into the married state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin this Holy State in the name of the Lord and complete it to His glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward, the ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Friday, the 30th of September at 12.30 in Free Reform Church of Manajong. Our minister, Reverend Poppy, will be officiating. We've been informed that Reverend Ikeboom has declined the call that was extended to him by the Free Reform Church of Albany. There will be a congregational a general congregational meeting held tomorrow night here in this building beginning at 8 p.m. Reverend Poppy will be leading the worship service this morning. And before we begin, let us sing from Psalm 146 verses 1 and 3.
1: Thank you.
2: Brothers and sisters, if you can please rise and lift up your hearts to God. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's sing a song of praise to our God. We're going to sing together from Psalm 118, the verses 1 and 6. just a moment, we're going to sing together from Psalm 19, verses 3 and 5. If you look at verse 3 there, it says, God's law is sound and whole. It will revive the soul, for it new strength supplies. His testimony sure, trustworthy evermore, will make the simple wise. Well, let's listen to the law of the Lord, the commands of God, so that we indeed may, that our souls may be revived and that we may become wise. We hear God's laws. It comes to us this morning in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not covet your neighbor's male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's now celebrate the gift of God's law and also make confession of our sins, Psalm 19, the verses 3 and 5. and Sister Vias have requested baptism for their son Oliver. To that end, let's first read together the form for the baptism of infants. If you wish to follow along, you can find that on page 597 of your book of praise. The love a congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of holy baptism is summarized as follows First, we and our children are conceived and born in sin, and are therefore by nature children of wrath, so that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. This is what the immersion in or sprinkling with water teaches us. It signifies the impurity of our souls, so that we may detest ourselves, humble ourselves before God, and seek our cleansing and salvation. Outside of ourselves. Second, baptism baptism signifies and seals to us the washing away of our sins through Jesus Christ. We are therefore baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we're baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us that He establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us for His children and heirs and promises to provide us with all good and avert all evil, or to turn it to our benefit. When we are baptized into the name of the Son, God the Son promises us that he washes us in his blood from all our sins and unites us with him in his death and resurrection. Thus we are freed from our sins and accounted righteous before God. When we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit assures us by this sacrament that he will dwell in us, and make us living members of Christ, imparting to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives, till we shall finally be presented without blemish among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. Third, since every covenant contains two parts, a promise and an obligation, we are through baptism called and obliged by the Lord to a new obedience. We are to cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to trust Him and to love Him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. We must not love the world, but put off our old nature and lead a God-fearing life. And if we sometimes, through weakness, fall into sins, we must not despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin, for baptism is a seal and a trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. Although our children do not understand all this, we may not, therefore, exclude them from baptism. Just as they share, without their knowledge in the condemnation of Adam, so are they, without their knowledge, received into grace in Christ. For the Lord spoke to Abraham, the father of all believers, and thus also speaks to us and our children, saying, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. Throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Peter also testifies to this when he says, For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Therefore, in the old dispensation, God commanded that infants be circumcised. The circumcision was the seal of the covenant and of the righteousness of faith. Christ also took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. In the new dispensation, baptism has replaced circumcision. Therefore, infants must be baptized as heirs of the kingdom of God and of his covenant. And as they grow up, their parents have the duty to instruct them in these things. In order that we may now administer this holy sacrament to God, to his glory, for our comfort, and for the upbuilding of the congregation, let's call upon his holy name. Almighty eternal God, in your righteous judgment, you punished the unbelieving and unrepentant world with the flood, but in your great mercy, you saved and protected the believer Noah and his family. You drowned the obstinate Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea, but led your people Israel through the midst of the sea on dry ground, by which baptism was signified. We therefore pray you, Father, that in your infinite mercy, you'll graciously look upon this child and incorporate him by your Holy Spirit into your Son, Jesus Christ, so that Oliver may be buried with him by baptism into death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. We pray that he, following him day by day, may joyfully bear his cross and cleave to him in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. Grant that he, comforted in you, may leave this life, which is no more than a constant death, and at the last day, that he may appear without terror before the judgment seat of Christ, your Son. All this we ask through him, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit, the one only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Can I now ask the parents to please rise? Beloved in Christ the Lord, You've heard that baptism is an ordinance of the Lord our God to seal to us and our children his covenant. You must therefore use that sacrament for this purpose and not out of custom or superstition. That it may be clear then that you desire baptism for the right purpose, you are to answer sincerely the following questions. First, do you confess that our children, though conceived and born in sin, and therefore subject to all sorts of misery, even to condemnation, are sanctified in Christ, and thus as members of his church ought to be baptized? Second, do you confess that the doctrine of the Old and New Testament, summarized in the confessions and taught here in this Christian church, is the true and complete doctrine of salvation? And third, do you promise, as father and mother, to instruct your child in this doctrine as soon as he is able to understand and to have him instructed therein to the utmost of your power? Brother Vias, what is your answer? Sister Vias, what is your answer? That after the baptism, brothers and sisters, you're invited to all rise. We're going to sing together from Psalm 105, verse 3. Oliver Bimovius I baptize you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit call upon the Lord in thanksgiving in prayer. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we thank and praise you that you have forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. You've received us through your Holy Spirit as members of your only begotten Son and so adopted us to be your children. You've sealed and confirmed this to us by holy baptism. We pray, through your beloved Son, that you will always govern this child by your Holy Spirit, that Oliver may be nurtured in the Christian faith and in godliness, and that he may grow and increase in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that he may thus acknowledge your fatherly goodness and mercy, which you've shown to him and to us all. May he live in all righteousness, under our only teacher, king, and high priest, Jesus Christ, and valiantly fight against and overcome sin sin the devil and his whole dominion may he forever praise and magnify you and your son Jesus Christ together with the Holy Spirit the one only true God and now father as we are about to open your word together we pray for a blessing of the proclamation of the gospel we ask Lord that you would give us open hearts that we consider what you have to say to us help us to realize how great you are how great your kindness and love to us is helps to respond to that in love for you. Please work powerfully in our hearts with your Holy Spirit and draw us near to you. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So brothers and sisters, this morning I may preach the gospel to you concerning the the power of God's word. I'm gonna look at how that's summarized in Lord's Day 25 and in connection with that, I'd like to focus on the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and the priority that he placed on preaching. So we're going to read together from Mark 1, the verses 21 to 39. So I invite you to open your Bible with me. We're going to read together, starting Mark 1 verse 21. You can find that on page 994 of your guest Bible. So Mark 1 tells us about the early part of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mark 1 verse 21, there God's word says, and this is speaking of the Lord Jesus with his disciples, and they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, he commands, and even the evil spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So far. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing of the, the gift of God's word and the blessing that comes through that word. Psalm 119, the verses 1 and 4. Sorry, verses 1 and 40. <laughs> Good afternoon I may preach to you the word of God concerning the means of grace that God uses to gather his people to himself, the, the word and the sacraments. I'm going to do so by looking at what the church has summarized and confessed in Lord's Day 25 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You can find that on page 593—sorry, 539 of your book of praise. So, the heading above Lord's Day 25 is Word and Sacraments. Since then, faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits. Where does this faith come from? From the Holy Spirit, who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? Sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God. So that by their use he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Two, holy baptism and the Holy Supper. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from hymn 81, verses 1, 3, 5, and 6. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning I am preaching on the Catechism in the morning and instead of the afternoon. And the reason for that is because of the topic that the Catechism addresses. Here in Lord's Day 25, the question is, where does faith come from? The answer is that faith comes from the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the gospel. He also strengthens it by the sacraments. Well, as consistory, we thought it's really important to consider this message together with everyone. The reality is that on a typical Sunday morning, it's better attendance than in the afternoon. And we have a fair number of people who show up in the morning, although, even in that regard, there's some concerns that we have as consistory. It used to be that Sunday morning was packed, it was pre COVID. Sunday afternoons wasn't always packed. Well, nowadays, on a Sunday morning, occasionally it will be full. Not always. You know what happened last week? We had Lord's Supper. We had three and a half tables. This gives you a sense of how many people were here. In the past, we used to have five tables. Shows you a little bit about some of the difference. Well, why is that? ask around you hear a bunch of different reasons now some people are more careful because of covid you have a cough you have a sniffle and you stay home because you don't want to infect somebody else you're not sure exactly where it's at now some of the elderly some people who are sick some people who have mental health difficulties for some people it's easier just to be at home as opposed to making it to church or making it twice to church on a sunday we also have some new members in our church. That's quite something to start to come to church. You you come on a Sunday morning, that already is a big commitment. And then at another stage, then, then you come twice. That's just a huge change. Oftentimes, it takes time for the Holy Spirit to to work with a person and to bring someone to that place. Then on top of that, we also have some people who are slacking their attendance. They know they should be here, and yet, the truth of the matter is, They just don't feel like being here. They can't make the effort to come out. You ask them about it, and they have lots of different excuses, lots of different reasons why. But quite frankly, at core, the foundational reason is that they just can't be bothered to come out. On top of that, we have a half a dozen, a dozen people who almost never show up in church on a Sunday. It's very sad. You can come out, but you don't come. It's extremely sad, brothers and sisters, because it shows that on a really fundamental level that you don't know the Lord. The Lord, he calls you together. It's his idea. And he calls you to be here because he wishes to bless you, because he is a good God, and he is a gracious God. And he desires to extend his grace into your life so that you know him, that you understand everything that he's done for you. He wants you to know Jesus Christ. He wants you to live out of the grace that he extends to you in Christ. It's only when you know him and when you draw near to him that you will receive his blessing in your life in a rich way. And the foundational way in which the Lord extends that grace and that blessing to you is through his word, and especially through the preaching of the Word. And so when the Word is preached, the Lord calls you to come together. He wants you to hear the message of the Gospel. And so I preach His Word to you this morning with this theme, the preaching of God's Word is the most powerful force in the world. We're going to see in the first place the power of God's Word, and secondly, our approach to God's Word. I just made that statement, "The preaching of the gospel is the most powerful force in the word in the world. God's word is, is more powerful than anything else." And you hear that? you might wonder about that. You might wonder if that's really true. And so I'd just like to consider with you for a minute what, what the Lord says to us about His word in the scriptures. It starts already on page one. On page one, God tells us that the world was called into existence. By his word. God spoke, and it came to be. Psalm 33. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God said, Let there be the light bearing bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars. And simply by speaking, God called these things into existence. God spoke. And it's when he spoke that the animals and the plants, the human beings, that all creation came into existence. This world exists because of the word of God. You know, the Bible tells us that just as God created everything by his word, so he also recreates everything by his word. Now, we are those who rebelled against God. He created us into a beautiful relationship with Him, where we knew Him, where we walked with Him, where we had intimate fellowship together with Him. But at one stage, we rejected Him, and we rebelled Him. We wanted nothing to do with Him. We wanted to do it our own way. And then the Lord, He recreates us. He brings us back into fellowship with Himself. And the means by which He does that is His Word. It starts with regeneration. You need to be born again. We just read the form for, for the baptism of infants. We just confessed in the first line of that form is that by nature, we are children of wrath unless we are born again. We must be born again to have a relationship with God, every one of us. And how does God work that out? Well, he does it through his word. That's what the scripture tells us. 1 Peter 1 verse 24. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Now, there is a time, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then there was a time that someone told you God's word. Maybe it was your parents. You grew up in a Christian family and your mom or your dad read Bible stories to you. And you came to believe them. Or maybe you came to life later in life. You came to faith later in life. Maybe you met a friend. That person was really different from, from other people who you ever knew. And They talked to you. and You, you kind of asked them, like, like, what makes you so different? And they, they told you about God, about who God is, about what God has done for them. What's the means that God uses to affect change in people's hearts and lives? James talks about James 1.18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. He brought us forth by the word of truth. The word goes out and it changes us and it makes us into new people. Probably the most dramatic example of that in the scriptures where where it gives an image of what that really looks like, what that means, is the passage in Ezekiel 37. A couple of years ago I preached on that, maybe you remember that. You have this valley of dry bones. It was a horrific sight. Ezekiel, he has, he's taken by the Spirit to this place where he sees this, this whole valley that's filled with bones that are completely dried out. And then the Lord asks him, he says, Ezekiel, he says, can these bones live? Ezekiel, he's like, Lord, you know. And the Lord says, I want you to prophesy. I want you to prophesy to these bones. And he does that. He, he speaks the word of God to these bones. And at the word of God, these bones come together again into bodies. They form these skeletons, and then they have these tendons and these, these muscles and the skin that forms over them. And he has this, this whole valley full of corpses. And then God asks him again. He says, can these corpses come to life? Again, Ezekiel says, Lord, you, you know. And the Lord says, I want you to prophesy. To the four winds, Ezekiel prophesies, and the breath enters these bones, these bodies, and they come to life. It's a dramatic picture of the spiritual condition of the Israelites during the time just before they went into exile. They had rejected God. They're spiritually dead. They had no relationship with God whatsoever. They didn't know him. They didn't love him. they They didn't want anything to do with him. Yet the Lord said he wasn't going to leave them there. He was going to change them. He's going to make them into new people. And how does he do it? He does it through his word. He speaks his word to them. And when the word comes, then these dead people come back to life. Well, you see it happen, brothers and sisters. You can see it in real life. You have somebody who doesn't know the gospel, they don't know God. They don't have a relationship with him. You tell them who God is. And one day, usually it's a process, but one day they come to the stage where they they understand that God is real, that he exists, that he wants a relationship with me. And they understand that they've offended God, that they've sinned against him, and they're sorry about their sins, and they confess their sins, and they ask for God's forgiveness. And as the Holy Spirit lives in them and changes them, then they become these new people. They literally are born again. They have this new peace, this new hope in their life. They begin to trust God. They believe that God has power over them, and they trust him to help them. They have a new way of relating to the people around them. They're born into these new people. The real gift of God is that he doesn't only regenerate us, but he also sanctifies us. First, he makes us alive, and then he binds us close to him in a relationship with him. And again, that process of sanctification, it's a process that's done through the Word. You know, the truth is, we all have a, a history. We've got these sinful patterns, these sinful thoughts, many times they have been with us for a long time. Well, it's natural for us to put ourselves in the center of our lives. We have a lifetime of idolatry and selfishness and pride and greed and lust and covetousness behind us. But the Lord changes us. He helps us to put those things away. He helps us to make us into these new people and to grow up in salvation. And again, he tells us that he does it through the preaching of his word. When Paul passed through Ephesus on one of his missionary journeys, then he told the Ephesians, Acts 20, verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. I want to build you up. I want to give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. The way God does it is is by preaching the word to you. Then when you hear the word, often what happens is that it's a mirror, James says. It exposes what's really going on inside of you. It shows you who you really are, and it helps you to see yourself through the eyes of the Lord for who you really are. It's in Hebrews 4, verse 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Your thoughts... Your desires, your intentions, they are naked and exposed before the Lord through his word. He shows you who you are. And he shows you what he really thinks. Now, that can be scary. But you know, God's intention is not to scare us in the first place. He intends to help us. He wants us to know our sin so that we can confess that sin to him, that we can seek our help in Jesus Christ, that we can receive grace through Christ. It's by means of his sanctifying word that he wants to to penetrate into us so that we lead a holy life and that we walk in closeness together with him. Do you understand how rich the word is, brothers and sisters? Do you treasure it? Do you tremble before it? That's God's great joy for you. He talks about it in quite a number of passages in the Bible. He wants to show how beautiful the word is, what a beautiful gift it is to receive that word. In Psalm 119, 105, we sang it together, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Not sure how often you experience that you're in darkness. Sometimes it happens, you feel like you're in pitch darkness, you're trying to find your way, and you can't. You can't figure it out. You can't. You don't know what to do in this situation. And the Lord says that his word is a light. He shines on the path before you. He's a lamp that lights the way so you know where to go and you know what to do. Or in Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6, we're told that God's word will protect you. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Or in 1 Peter 2, 2, we're told... That the word is like milk to a newborn infant. If a baby wants to grow up, the baby needs milk. And the Lord said, His word is like milk. It helps you to to mature, to grow up spiritually, so that you become a mature person, that you can live in in a wholesome relationship together with Him. Well, in Psalm 19, we sang it together. David confesses that the word is the most precious thing in the world. It's by means of the word that God makes wise the simple. He brings joy to the heart. He revives the soul and he enlightens the eyes. Who doesn't want to have life and joy and wisdom? David says in 19 verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings from the honeycomb. If you have the word of God, if you have the commands of God, God's saying you have the most precious thing in the world. And since the world is so powerful, since it's so precious, do you know what God does? He sends it out. There's this phrase in the Bible. It's used 3,800 times. And the word of the Lord came to... Or some variation of that. Almost 4,000 times. The word of the Lord came to one of his servants. And that servant brought the word to the people of God. God knows the power of his word. He knows what he can affect through his word. And so he gives his word to his servants. And he sends those people out. And he says, your job is to bring my word to my people. I want to bless them. I want to give them life. I want to give them wisdom. I want to give them a relationship with me. I want to reveal myself to them. So I'm going to give you the word, and I command you to bring that word through to the people. It started off right near the beginning. It's very interesting. We don't know hardly anything about the people who lived before the flood. But we do know a few little stories. We're told about two people there. We're told first in Jude 1, verse 14 and 15, that Enoch was the very first prophet or the one that we're told about. Enoch, sorry, Jude one fourteen. he prophesied against the godless people of his generation. In 2 Peter 2 verse 5, Peter says that Noah was a herald of righteousness. He heralded the message of righteousness to the people of his time. The first prophet that we, that we learn about more extensively is Moses. Moses was called by God to bring the word to Pharaoh so that he would let the Israelites go and to teach God's people all his commands. Well, after Moses, there were many more prophets that God sent to his people to reveal his word to his people. And it's really striking when you get to the New Testament, this is also the foundational part of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just read together the the passage from Mark 1. It's really interesting when you read through Mark 1, And the thing that's so striking often is all the blessings that come through the miracles of the Lord Jesus. He heals first a few people, we're told in Capernaum. And then news about him, it spreads like wildfire through the community. And so literally that night, you have the whole town, the whole city is gathered together at at the door where Jesus was staying. And it says that he healed many of them. And he casts out many demons. So he's healing all these people. He's preaching the gospel. He's casting out demons. Well, the next morning he wakes up. Very early in the morning, he goes off to a desolate place. And by the time his disciples wake up, they, they can't find him. He's not around. And so they go looking for him, they go all over the place. And finally, Simon f- finds him. And Simon says, Lord, they're all looking for you. And then Jesus says the most amazing thing. He says then, he says, Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. Everybody's looking for you. And he leaves. He's going on to the next town to preach the gospel. He understands that it's a great blessing for him to heal people of their illnesses and to cast out demons. But you know, the core thing... The core reason he came is to deal with the root issue that we face. That is, that we need to know God, that we need to have a relationship with him. And so Christ went on to the other towns in Galilee in order to preach to them also. And then Mark 2, verse 14 and 15, it tells us that he also assigned this task to those who followed him. And he went up on the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired and they came to him and he appointed the twelve whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. That's exactly what happens when he ascends into heaven. He sends out his apostles to preach the message of the gospel. Well, if that's the calling of preachers, do you also understand your calling as God's people, brothers and sisters? It is your calling to place yourself under the preaching. You need to be present when the word is proclaimed. God's word is the most powerful force in the world, but if you're not here and if you don't hear it, it's going to have zero impact in your life. You're not going to know the great deeds of the Lord. You're not going to understand what he's done for you. You're not going to live for him. You're not going to thank him. There's lots of reasons you might say that you can't make it to church. Some might be legit. Others not. The real question that I'd like to ask you this morning is the question... Do you want to be here? Do you really want to be here? Because that's the core issue. It's a heart issue. Do you love the Lord with all your heart? Do you recognize that you need Him? and Do you seek Him? Do you want to hear what He has to say to you? In Psalm 119, verse 161, my heart stands in awe of your words. He's totally in awe of the words of God. Is that you? Do you tremble at the words of the Lord? Are they a priority for you? You know, if that's what lives in your heart, then it's going to show, brothers and sisters. In the same way... If you don't want to be here, then that's also going to show. You know, if you're cold to the preaching, do you know how it comes out? You know what happens? You know the process? If you can't be bothered to make it to church, if you think that, that the preaching is boring, or that it's irrelevant, and God tells us in his word that it's actually going to have an opposite effect in your life. Instead of blessing you, God says, his word is going to destroy you. When Jeremiah brought God's word to his people, then the people were sick and tired of serving the Lord. They're pretty far down their history. They'd heard it all before. They didn't love God. They didn't want anything to do with him. When Jeremiah came to them, then they rejected him. They tried to kill him a bunch of times. When he sent his, he gave his preaching to the king, He actually gave a scroll of everything that he had written down to the king. Twenty-two years of preaching, he gave it to the king. King Zedekiah, he had someone read it to him, and he ripped it off page by page, and he threw it into the fire. We know what God says? Jeremiah 5, the Lord sends the prophet through the streets of Jerusalem to try to find someone who practices justice. Someone who speaks the truth. What does Jeremiah find? Not one person. They're all swearing falsely. They're all serving other gods. They're all committing adultery with their neighbor's wives. And on top of that, they said, God's never going to do anything about it anyways. And what does the Lord say? Jeremiah 5.14, therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the Lord, the God of hosts, because you have spoken this word, behold, I am making my words in your mouth a fire. And the people would, and the fire shall consume them. I'm going to call the Babylonians from the north. My word is going to call this nation to come from the north. And this nation is going to come over my people Israel, and they're going to consume them. They're going to wipe them off the face of the earth. Well, not quite. They're going to take them into exile and 70 years later you have maybe 5 or 10% of the people who will make it back to the promised land it's a little later in jeremiah 23:29 the lord says is not my word like a fire declares the lord and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces your father is a good god brothers and sisters he loves you dearly he wants a relationship with you He truly wants it to go well with you, that he blesses you with his word. It's by means of that word that he reveals himself to you, that he shows you what he's done for you, that he calls you to an eternity with him. Well, if you reject that word, if you don't want anything to do with him, then the day is going to come that he's going to bring his curse down on you that his word will be a fire that burns and a hammer that smashes. Jesus Christ has come to save those who look to him in faith. But if you reject Jesus Christ, then he is a rock that makes you stumble. He is a rock of offense that makes you fall. Our world rejects what happens here on a Sunday morning as something that's stupid and a waste of time in paul's words the folly of preaching but the lord says that this folly of preaching is actually the power of god and it is the wisdom of god if you reject the preaching then it will be your undoing Now, usually doesn't happen overnight Usually, that's a process. And what happens is that you skip out on a service and another service and another service. That becomes a pattern for you. And then you say, well, I can just live stream. I can sit at home and I can watch it at home and it's, it's okay. You know what actually happens is that as the years slide one into another, then the attendance drops off. And at some point, the person stops coming altogether. Usually there's an event. Maybe someone offended you. Maybe someone failed you. Maybe in some way there was, there was a situation with something that, that went down for you. It's a catalyst, and you draw back even more. And Eventually you get to the point where you leave altogether. That you're just done. You're not here anymore. And it's during that process that the office bearers, they try to walk a journey with you. They ask you, like, what are you thinking? And where are you at? And how can we, how can we help you? And do you not understand that the Lord loves you? And then they also, not just encourage, they also cajole. And at some time they'll admonish you. They'll say, don't you understand how offensive it is to God if you don't come to worship Him? He's the Almighty God. He's here. He calls you to worship. And they'll call you to repent. But then no matter how much encouragement or cajoling or patience or admonition you receive, you don't respond. Or maybe you do for the first week or two. You had a visit, and next week you show up in church. But then after that, it drops off again, and the slow drift away continues. You know, it breaks your heart, brothers and sisters. You see someone choose a life of pain and an eternity of condemnation. You know, it's in that regard, it's good for us to reflect on the live stream. Consistory made the decision even before COVID that we would set this up. There's some people in our congregation who they simply can't make it to church or they simply can't make it twice to church on a Sunday so as an act of consideration we thought it would be a blessing for us to to help those people but now i have to ask how many people don't use it out of convenience can't be bothered to show up on a sunday afternoon you know it's not the same if you're in a room with a preacher if you're here on a sunday morning it's a very different experience that if you're sitting in your lounge, maybe in your easy chair, maybe with a coffee in your hand, watching a screen. On a psychological level, those are very different. On a spiritual level, as church, we meet with God. We're here in the presence of the living God. That's what the Lord says. But when you're sitting in your home on a Sunday morning, you're watching a screen. Are you actually meeting with God in the same way? Or are you looking in at some people who are meeting with God? You know, on top of that, when you stay at home, you don't have the the gift of the fellowship together with the people of God. One of the great gifts God gives us, one of the great encouragements He gives us is our brothers and sisters in the faith. He surrounds us with a community of people to know us and to love us and to care for us. And he actually admonishes us about that. Hebrews 10 verse 24. He warns us not to neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's your father's calling that you come here <coughs> twice on a Sunday, brothers and sisters. We you think about that, it shows you how much we need a savior by nature we are slack and we do tend to drift and so we need our lord jesus to draw us back and to keep us close you know christ had the highest respect for the word of god when he faced temptation when he faced hardship in his life you read about the temptations matthew 4 he strengthened himself with the word of god He warded off Satan's attacks with the word of God. And he spent his whole life bringing the word to people. He taught them who God is and what God had done for them. And he spoke with authority because the people realized that he has special message of God from them. And then the Bible even tells us it's not just that he brought God's word to us, but he is God's word for us. In John 1, we're told, John 1, verse 1 and 14, we're told that the Word of God became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. We're told that Jesus Christ is the Word. And then in John 1, verse 18, we're told that He reveals God to us. No one has ever seen God, the only God, but the only God who is at the Father's right hand, He has made Him known. It is in these last days that our Father speaks to us through his Son, through Jesus Christ. Are you going to treasure it, brothers and sisters? Are you going to seek that word? Are you going to be here this afternoon to hear the preaching? Is that going to be the pattern of your life? It's in John 6, verse 63, that our Lord Jesus said, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Your father would love to give you life, brothers and sisters. He would love to give you his spirit. And so he calls you into his presence to hear the word and to stay close to him. Amen. Let's sing together. We're going to sing from Hymn 81, verses 1, 3, 5, and 6. now call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. In our prayer this morning we'll also remember some of the members of our congregation. First place we'll remember our, our sister Liz Vanderlinden. Linden. Earlier this week she, she got a bite by an insect and she had a severe allergic reaction. By the time she made it to the hospital then she could hardly breathe. Thankfully she, um, they were able to help her and she's doing much better and she'll be worshipping with us today. So we thank God for that. We'll also remember our brother Michael Verbruch. Um, Our brother heard the news that his sister in the Netherlands passed away this past week. Quite something for our brother. His siblings are not Christians. The past year, he's had four of his siblings who passed away. It's really something, a burden in his heart. So we'll bring him before God's throne of grace as well. This morning, we'll also remember our sister Mary Moon. Mary's one of the regular visitors among us. Um, She heard the news this past week that her dad had two heart attacks. He's really not doing very well. There's not much that the doctors can do for him. So we we'll also pray for her, that God would comfort her during this time. Let's pray to God. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that, that you desire a relationship with us. We are those who sin against you. We've rebelled against you, and we are those who often offend you by the things that we do. And we're sorry about that, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness for that. We thank you that you don't want to leave us there, but you want to make us into new people. You want to draw us back into relationship with yourself. You're working towards a time where you can live with us face to face, where we get to see you and love you and be with you. And Father, you tell us that the means that you use in order to affect this change in us is your word, especially the preaching of your word. And then, Lord, we, we thank you for that, it's such a treasure that we can come together here on a Sunday morning that we can hear who you are and what you've done, that we can marvel at your grace and your goodness to us. Help us to tremble at your word. Help us to treasure it. Help us to, to consider what you have to say to us and to realize how rich we are in our Lord Jesus Christ. We also pray, Lord, that you would help us to mature in your word, that as we hear the pure spiritual milk, that we grow up in salvation, that we become mature in knowing you, knowing who you are and what you have done for us, and that this is also reflected in a life of godliness, that we live in a way that's, that's set apart from sin, that we live close to you. And then, Father, we also have to humble ourselves before you this morning because there's times where we can't be bothered with your word. We know these things about you, but, but we kind of forget about them, that we don't care about them, that we drift away from you, and the, the idolatries of our heart become more important to us who you are, what you have done for us. And Lord, that's, that's rebellious, that's offensive, that's sinful. And we acknowledge that. We confess it. We pray for your forgiveness. Please look on us in mercy. Please make us into new people. Please help each one of us to want to be here, to want to worship you together with your people, and to pursue that, to be busy with it. Dear Father, we also pray that you would work a change of heart and in some people who are drifting away from you. We ask that you would grant that they may recognize their sin, that they repent of that, that they come back to you. But we pray also that, that you would be near to those who who are very far away from you. There's some who, who rarely come to church anymore. I want to ask that you would please change them. Please draw them back and please give them your grace. Your Father in heaven, we, we pray also that you would please... Bless those who, or that you would work in the hearts of those who have turned away from you. There are some who have left us and, and they have turned away from your word. Please grant that, that you would turn them back to you, that you work in their life in such a way that they realize that they need you, that they seek your face and that they may receive your grace in their lives. And then, Father, we also know that there are many people in the community around us, some of our friends and neighbors and coworkers who don't know you and who don't have a relationship with you. We also pray for them, Father, that you would bring them in, that you allow them to hear the gospel, that we may be ambassadors of your grace to them, that we can show them in our lives who you are and what you've done, that we can also testify to them, that we can speak to them of the hope that is in us, and that you would use us to bring others to you. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that you would gather all of your elect, that you bring your people to yourself, and that you accomplish your work of gathering your church. Lord, on our side, there's, there's so much weakness. Also, as preachers, pray that you would please assist us in this task, that you give us a rich measure of your Holy Spirit. Grant for myself, Father, that, that I may know you, that I may know your word, that I may walk in faith before you, that I'm able to, to rightly handle the word of truth and bring that to your people. Bless the preaching, and bless the preaching, the teaching. Grant that your word may come across with clarity, with conviction, with boldness, with authority. Please grant that through the preaching that your people are built up in their faith, that they know you and love you, and that they entrust themselves to you. Please also be with all the other preachers of the gospel, be with the other ministers in our federation of churches, and be also with other, other faithful ministers around the world, that they may bring your word to your people, and that your church may be built up in faith in our Lord Jesus. Father, we we need your help in these things. We need our Lord Jesus to accomplish his work in us. We thank you at the end of the day that it's not our doing, but that it is your doing. I also pray, Lord, that you would please help us to understand the, the curse that comes on those who reject you. If we rebel against Jesus Christ, if we don't accept him, then he will become a stone of stumbling, and then we'll be smashed to pieces. And Father, that's... It's very confronting, and it's very real. We thank you for being honest with us, and we pray that we may take it to heart. Pray also for your people, Lord. Pray that you would help each one of us in the individual circumstance of our lives. Lord, you know us. You know the joys that we face. You know the struggles that we have. Please grant that we may live with you, that we may depend upon you, and that we may receive your help. We're so thankful for... A brother and sister Vias, that they can receive their son Oliver. Thank you for making all things well for him. Thank you that he could receive the, the sacrament of baptism this morning. Father, please be with him. Grant that he may have much joy in his childhood. Grant that he may grow up to know you and to love you. And please bless their family as they, as they walk in your ways. Give them much joy together. I also pray, Father, that you would please take care of those who are, who are grieving the loss of life, we think of our, our brother Verbruugh, just heard the the news that that his sister has passed away, Lord, please comfort him he's very thankful to to also hear that that someone was praying with her near the end of her life, and pray lord that that she may have indeed heard that prayer and that she may have prayed to you to seek your grace and forgiveness and to share in, in the righteousness of Jesus christ father we We ask that you would comfort our brother and sister with your holy spirit that you be near to them and, and that you would Grant them a rich measure of your spirit. Pray also for all the others in our church who are grieving the loss of loved ones. We've had quite a few people who have lost loved ones. And we ask that you would be near to us during that process. Father, we also wish to thank you, together with our sister Liz Vanderlinden. We're grateful, Lord, that you have spared her. It's quite a tense moment when she couldn't breathe anymore. And we're we're grateful, Lord, that that you give the help of the doctors and that all things could be well with her. What a, what a gift of grace and, and what a treasure it is when we have good health and when we're able to, to live life. And we, we thank you, we honor you for that. Please comfort our sister and, and her husband, their family, and please give them a rich measure of your Holy Spirit. Father, we also wish to pray for our sister Mary Moon. She just heard the news that her father-in-law has had a few heart attacks, that his, his health is failing and that he's not doing well. It's quite a, a difficult matter for her. And we ask, the Lord, that you would give her your Holy Spirit that you be with Julian and Mary, and that you, you grant them your, your comfort and your peace. Lord, we, we pray for our Father. We ask that he may look to you in faith, that he may rely upon you, and, and that he may receive your grace in his life. We also pray, Lord, that you would please be near to, to Julian and Mary and to their family, and, and that you surround them with a real sense of your nearness and your, your kindness. Father, we, we thank you that you, you brought them to us, and we pray for your blessing over them. We also wish to remember at this time our former minister, Reverend Veltman. Later this week, it's going to be his birthday. We wish to entrust him to your throne of grace. Thank you for the faithful years of service that he could do among us, that he could faithfully bring your word to us. Pray also in this time of his retirement that you would be near to him. Give him the, the energy and the ability to bring your word to your people, Lord. It's a great joy for him. Please also give him the strength that he needs and Grant him all that he needs to live in in peace and in gratitude before you. Thank you for your your faithful, loving care. We pray that you would continue to watch over him and his wife. Your Father, we also pray that you bless us in the rest of this day. Give us a good day together, that we can enjoy fellowship with one another. Please bring us again here this afternoon, and please hear us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the Lord desires to extend his grace into the hearts and lives of those who need his help. And one of the ways he extends his grace is, is by means of financial gifts. It's so when we're in financial distress, then our Father is a, a good God who loves to help us. The, the deacons are going to collect from you at this time. The collection is for the needy, for the ministry of mercy. Then after the collection, we're going to sing together from hymn 52, the verses 1 and 2. Music mm-hmm. Receive now the blessing of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.